When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to another Wednesday night here on the Steel Curtain Network. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. With me, as always, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing tonight? Oh, <clears throat> other than the technical difficulties, trying to get the show started on time, uh, which I apologize, I'm doing all right. All right. And, of course, the name of our show is The Curtain Call. And every year leading up to the draft, we do... Uh, uh, shows where we bring on a guest to talk about prospects from some of the major colleges. Today we have a guest here, Chris Ren- Rennie from yep. uh, Holy Land Land Grant. Yeah, um, Land Grant Holy uh, Land. Which is the Ohio State. They cover the Ohio State University. So he's here to talk to us about their entire list of prospects Uh but I warned you about this, Chris. I'm going to start yeah. you off with this since you're on a on a Steelers podcast here. Do you know the only Ohio State University alumni to win a Super Bowl MVP? <laughs> it's got it. I I mean, I since I'm on a Steelers show, it has to be Heinz Ward. Right? No, not Heinz Ward. I'm an idiot. San Antonio Holmes, same time period. Antonio Holmes, you are correct, sir. Good job. Yeah, that was bad. Heinz Ward doesn't even go. Didn't even go to Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> but you got it. We'll go with that. We'll go. That was good. Uh, so I'm sorry, I didn't even ask you. How are you doing today? <laughs> no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I used to, a little nervous. I didn't even remember who went to Ohio State and who didn't. But <laughs> oh, but you got it. You got it. You said the wrong name first, yep. but you got it. That's good. I didn't know if you'd yeah, even know that. Um. Yeah. So getting started, let's talk about one player who is almost assuredly not going to be the Steelers draft pick this year, uh, going to go at the very top of the draft, Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. Uh, how how good is he? What are what are his strengths and what do you expect to see from him? Like, we're, what do you expect him to be as an as an NFL quarterback? Yeah, I, I love C.J. Stroud. I think as a football player, as a person. Uh, he's really represented Ohio State incredibly well. And I think anyone inside the program would say that despite like, you know, a lot of fans really kind of having trouble with his legacy due to his record against the rival Michigan. It's been, it's, it's a little tumultuous when you really have to evaluate it without those fan eyes on, but he's incredibly accurate with the football. You'll hear a lot of NFL scouts talk about layering throws and, along those lines and he's incredible touch velocity he could do it all uh his ball placement's probably his greatest trait and you know there's guys like anthony richardson will levis in this draft class who have incredible arm talent but they just can't manipulate the ball like stroud does on a consistent basis and i think that's what separates him and also bryce young they just have that innate ability to just you know like have the football on the string and 
you know, 4,000 yards, 3,700 yards, like close to like 90 touchdowns in his career. Uh, you can't really put together a better college stat line than that. And I know a lot of detractors will say, well, you guys have a ton of first round picks at receiver, but you know, there's, it, you can play who you're with. And, you know, if you believe in your system and you believe that you have the team there, he's a plug and play type of guy who could really elevate the system and do that whole point guard thing that like a lot of really good quarterbacks do. He physically he reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow, not the strongest arm, not the biggest frame, but just innately like able to get the ball anywhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of shocked that they have Bryce young as the top prospect at quarterback over shroud because you know, young is very small. I was, I was watching him today at the combine, uh, you know, and they was showing some of the players that are there for interviews and everything. And he is really a small framed quarterback. And we've seen that some of them guys in the past have had trouble with durability and hold it up where, where shrouds substantially bigger. Um, yeah. I, I thought coming out this year, the shroud would be the number one uh, quarterback on the list, but uh yeah, because both team, both quarterbacks play for powerhouse, uh, you know, football factories. Based on what you've seen from Shroud with all these first round draft picks and high draft picks at the receiver position, uh, do you think that how much of an influence do you think that's been on his success? Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, that first year, you know, playing with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, you know, both offensive rookie of the year candidates, it really doesn't allow you to give a lot of credit to the quarterback making all those throws. But a counterpoint that a lot of those guys said was like, when you're watching CJ throw, like the reason we're back is because he's this good. He's this talented. We didn't feel there's going to be a drop off from him to Justin Fields, who might be one of the most physically gifted people on the planet. And I thought that said a lot when I was like, when we were breaking down the quarterback competitions when that was happening. And this year, I think like Marvin Harrison Jr. gets pretty overblown, like obviously ultra talented. So like insane with his athleticism, he lost Jackson Smith and Jigba week one, his number one receiver, the guy he came up with in the class. And that you have to think about what he had to do to like keep that offense elevated while he was missing. First-year starter at receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. First-year starter, Emeka Igbukin. They're all world talents, five-star recruits, you know, but inexperienced, you know, like rookies in the NFL. Like, you start the first time, there's going to be growing pains no matter how talented you are. And I think that's where I think CJ probably deserved a little bit more credit this year. You really saw him put it all together against Georgia at the end. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you compare Bryce Young's best performance against Georgia, they're right in line with each other, and I think that is – where I think people kind of like see Stroud, he's functional. He's very meticulous, like in everything he does in the pocket. He doesn't have that scrambling nature. So I think that like kind of takes away from what he does. And I I don't think he gets enough credit. And I think the credit gets taken away because of the talent, number one, that people assume are around him. But we've seen, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks not able to do what he does with very talented rosters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You spoke of Jackson uh, Smith and and Jigba. He is a prospect that could end up a stealer. Now he missed most, as you were saying, missed most of last season. And 
isn't projected super high and, and people think he's going to run a bit slower. Uh, what are his strengths and what do you think he brings to the NFL? Oh, yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba is – he's not as fast as Olave and Wilson. He's probably going to run in the four fives, but his quick – his short area quickness, the stuff that allows him to separate on routes, the stuff that allows him to shake the first tackler, that's really what he does incredibly well. Like, I think when you ask – or have heard Brian Hartline talk about it, his biggest mention has been his ability to create separations, unlike any receiver he's coached. And, you know, I think you could see it, same tutelage, same area. And I this is always a crazy anecdote that not a lot of Ohio State fans know, but Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, they say Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best receiver they've ever been around. So if you really look, two guys who were like first and third in offensive rookie of the year voting, saying this guy's better than us, that's that's a pretty high opinion in my eyes. And, like, he might not be the breakaway Tyree Kill type, but he just is so shifty, he's so open, he's so sure-handed. Like, if you're a Steeler fan listening to this, just go watch his first, like, season highlight before the injury, and you're just going to be pretty mesmerized by his skill set. And he's a little smaller. He's not the biggest guy. I think he's going to work out of the slot. I think that's his – Job. But I think, honestly, skill set-wise, he'd probably fit in very well with your two guys, uh, Pickens and I'm blanking on his name. Everyone loved him in fantasy. Uh, but those guys, and I think he operates very well with them. Uh, I, I I don't – I didn't fully look into where you guys land in that second round range, but you guys might be a little too far back. You guys might be a little too early in the first round to land his services, just see where he's projected. Yeah, he. I always say this every year, but but they go to the combine and you get the receivers who run the ridiculous numbers. Everyone starts talking about them. Last year, on our show about Alabama, I was saying George Pickens was the exact kind of guy. He runs a bit slower and he ends up falling. And that's a guy you could get, like you could see someone like him fall in the Steelers, get him in the second round, and it turned out to be exactly him. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is, is that guy for me this this year. That is just, he's going to run at the combine and people are going to be like, they're going to ignore him because he's going to run four or five. He's going to run something like that. And they're going to be like, oh, this guy isn't, isn't big. Look at these other people who run, you know, four, three, four, two, even. And all of a sudden, like the guy who, you know, wins routes, gets open and catches the football, falls behind people who know how to run a track sprint really well. And uh, I, I think that, that to me is Jackson Smith and Jigba this year. Uh, I did want to follow one one more question on him as I'm, I'm jumping in here is uh, do you think he, he, he obviously projects to be a slot receiver. Uh, do you think he's a guy that can you know, start in the slot early on and then move outside uh, as a, as a route runner, like a Deontay Johnson, Antonio Brown type of an elite route runner who creates separation. I uh, like the X receiver spot, which is exactly what Antonio Brown and, and Deontay Johnson have done. Do you see yeah. him being able to make that transition? Yeah, I think that was honestly the plan for Ohio State to use him this year inside, outside, you know, be it he was in college, you're supposed to be a matchup player. So, like, you know, you find the weakness in the defense and you try to motion him into those sets to get that. Um, he definitely can play outside. His before he got to Ohio State, his he was playing as an ex receiver, he was playing that in high school. And then the reason he moved into the slot was because he had Jackson or he had. Garrett Wilson one side and then Chris Olave on the other side. So got to get on the field somehow. And it's at the slot. And 
that's been a common trend with receivers at Ohio State. Like that third guy, he's a little younger, projected to be an outside guy, starts in the slot, and then usually has a pretty good year there. So I, I think I think his skill set is enough. I think depending on his health, how much that hamstring kind of lingers, you know, I hope it doesn't. Like that could impact his ability to get outside and do that stuff. But he, he's got the skill set for it, and I think that's really – yeah, I and like in division, a guy he reminds me of a lot is Tyler Boyd, just a very productive guy. You know, in the NFL, Tyler Boyd doesn't have a lot of wow stuff, but he just does everything so well every game. And you know, when he was the one guy, he was great, and now he's got help and he's still talented, just not as flashy. Yeah, there's <clears throat> another guy that didn't run a great 40 time that is. Really had a uh, had a really strong NFL career, Michael Thomas. I know you're familiar with him. Yeah. But uh, no, I don't know how closely you follow the Steelers, but the Steelers are really wanting, <clears throat> especially the Steeler fan base is really wanting offensive line help. And gotcha. the Buckeyes have three top guys that the Steelers might be interested in. Paris Johnson probably won't be there at 17, uh, unless the Steelers get really lucky. I think if he was, I think they got to take him. But you also have uh, Dewan Johnson, I mean Jones, and uh, yeah. and uh, Luke Weibler. and which I think he might be more, you know, late second, third round pick. Uh, but what can you tell us about those two guys? Jones is such a mammoth human being. Uh, to me, I see him as a right tackle. Yeah, some scouts are saying because of his incredible length and uh, that he's pretty nimble. He won't be, you know, straight line speed, but he's pretty nimble. They think he might could work as a left tackle, say like an Orlando Brown, somebody that size. Uh, from what you've seen, do you think he could play left tackle in, in the right system in the NFL? Yeah, with the one, uh, he's a former basketball player. Uh, he came into Ohio State like 390 pounds. 400 pounds like he's six seven six eight he, he had to cut down 30 40 pounds and he's still getting comfortable probably playing at that weight so i think there is like you know what nfl draft so much looking at upside and his athleticism for his size is like uncanny so i do believe he has left tackle potential i think he could definitely be a swing tackle in the nfl if needed like say your main left tackle goes down he could definitely shift over. He's like, I think he could be a serviceable left tackle, but I, I don't think from what I've seen, he's, he projects as a full-time left tackle in the NFL. I think he's very much got those right tackle traits, a strong hands, doesn't have the, uh, he's not always the best against really good pass rushers with their counter moves. So once he gets off balance, if someone gets underneath him, uh, he's pretty easy to not easy. I don't want to say easy as a, poor choice of words, but he could get put off balance and uh, that happens quite a bit, but he's got heavy hands. He's quick in his steps. It's just kind of those counter moves that those double moves, sometimes those spins, those types of things get him just because he's so long and there's so much mechanically that goes into getting your hands on someone like an NFL. Like I TJ Watt, like good example. I don't know how he do against a pass rusher like that, but you know, the Jadavian Clownies of the world, solid pass rushers. I think he'll handle himself very well. With uh, with Paris Johnson, uh, 
Like, where where would you rank this guy? I've seen a lot of reports saying he's the third best offensive tackle in the class, which gives me hopes we could see some kind of crazy situation where he fell uh, far enough that the Steelers could get him. But uh, do you think he's better than that? Do you think he should be in consideration for, for the number one tackle in this class? Yeah, I, I think so. I think he is athletic. He's strong. He's shown positional versatility in school, playing guard. Uh, the willingness to do that and learn a whole new position just to get on the field, I think, says everything you need to know about his personality. Uh, fun fact, if he does end up there, he's a very big – he's very big into writing journalism. That was his major in school, and he wrote for the school paper. So that's just fun. I just thought of that because, you know, we're all yeah. doing the writing thing as well. Uh, but – he's he's so talented he's so good he's so athletic he was a five-star recruit he came in performed immediately um I, I know the other tackles in the class like Peter Skaronsky uh he's got so much game film so much experience and he's done it so well at a place where there's not necessarily that talent next to him um and I think that helps him out a little bit um but you can project like I think we were talking pre-show you can project exactly what Paris Johnson looks like he looks like an NFL left tackle yeah. And like you go around the league, um, you've got those three or four guys who are just like six, five, 330 pounds move like running backs. But then after that, like, I think Paris Johnson fits in that like five to 15 tackle range from an athletic standpoint, from a build standpoint. Um, and I think he's a plug and play guy. I really do. I think if he gets drafted, he could be your left tackle of the future. And Ohio State has a recent track record of having a couple guys at the tackle position in the NFL. I know Taylor Decker is a multi-contract guy, not as high upside, but I, I think there's some success behind Ohio State at that position. There's a talent in Paris Johnson that is kind of not – it's rare. It is. And his PFF grades, like the amount of pressures he allowed, he allowed eight pressures on the entire season. Like. I, I don't know the number of pass rush snaps on the head, but I know Ohio State threw the ball around quite a bit. So, it, yeah, that's pretty – the stats back it up. I think the talent backs it up. I think his testing uh, – he's got strong arms, which is – like for a third-year tackle is not necessarily always a guarantee, and that's something that I think will be evident in the combine. Uh, Luke Weibler, I mean, the Steelers went – Steelers are renowned for their Hall of Fame centers uh, or future Hall of Fame centers. And they went through a couple of years there downtime, but they finally signed Mason Cole last year and he came in and solidified the position. And I'm really excited about his potential moving forward, but he has position versatility and the Steelers at the very least need depth along that interior offensive line. Uh, everything I'm reading about Weibler is, you know, he sounds like he fits the Steelers' zone blocking scheme to a T. Uh, he has some of the same weaknesses that uh, we already have at the position uh, with Cole in that he's a little light in the pants, a little smaller, more of a, a Kelsey-type size, I think 6'3 and like uh, right at 300, and shorter arms. You know, see, he, you know he's yeah. really a center. I think that's what he's going to have to play in the NFL. But he's technically sound. And he moves well and he gets to that next level. I like everything I'm reading about him and seeing, you know, the film, but I, I don't follow the Ohio State that closely. They said he had a good bit of trouble with power. You know, if he had a big guy over him, 
that he, you know, he, he would get pushed back in the shroud and uh, back into the running lanes. Uh, that wasn't his forte. Did you see that being a huge problem last year? Yeah, I don't know if it was uh, just a Whipler problem at times, but I know when we played some better defensive lines, the interior offensive line, and you know how cohesive that has to be. Mm-hmm. If one guy steps wrong and, you know, you don't get that chip that you think you're getting and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I haven't dived that deep into the offensive line film this offseason yet, but I, I think Whipler – I think when you get one techniques, guys lined up right over him as well. I think that could lead to him some problems. If they're shaded, I think he could get leveraged pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think against bigger nose tackles in the NFL, which there are a lot more of those giant one techniques, uh, it, it'll be something he has to really prove to NFL evaluators that he can do it. Because um, I think where you saw the issues Ohio State's offensive line had this year, it was – right in that one gap to the right side of the line between Matt Jones and Luke Whipler. And to say like, the offensive line was a great unit. I'd probably, I, I think PFF had him as a top 10 offensive line unit in the college football. So it wasn't like it was detrimental to the team's success, but it definitely was when you're, uh, you know, I, I hate this reference and it makes me sound very conceited as an Ohio state guy, but when you're, you've got a Ferrari, and the little sand gets in the engine or like the engine goes a little awry or something. That's kind of what the right side of the offensive line was at times last year. Mm. Is that that little spit of sludge that slows the car down. Okay. Still All right. Moving to the defensive side of the, of the team here. Uh, Zach Harrison defensive end. He, uh, for the Steelers side of things, uh, he's a bit big to be an outside linebacker. Does he have the kind yeah. of athletic profile that he could be an outside linebacker? Uh, I it's tough. Uh, I I honestly, me and my co-host on our show, we always think he should just be a three technique, honestly, and just be one of those DeForest Buckner type players, incredibly athletic, move inside, get him on guards. I don't think he projects it all to be an outside linebacker at the next level. He's not a very laterally quick guy and you kind of see that in his pass rushing stats um they weren't the most uh hey he didn't he didn't have a lot of volume in those and i think for me i know you guys have like larry ogden joby on one side i don't know if he's retained but like i think he could kind of fit in that big defensive end position uh there i think that would be where i'd project him at um yeah, but I he's he's either a true four three defensive end to the strong side of the formation, or he's a big defensive end in that three four opposite of an outside linebacker in my eyes because he's six six two seventy. He's a big guy. He's yeah. He's not built like like I just like I know TJ Watts like not the fair example because he's an all pro NFL guy, but the way he plays just isn't it like that at all. So uh, if that's the high ceiling of the outside linebacker and that's like the traits uh i think he's more of an n3 tech type guy okay yeah i was shocked uh reading up about him they was talking about putting him in that category with the bosa brothers and chase young and i was like wow uh i obviously didn't watch enough because the games i watched i didn't see him have the same type of impact that i'd seen those guys have you know during their their tenure and I understand he was a five-star recruiting, but they're saying that his relative athletic score should be, they're predicting 
is going to be close, if not exceed those other guys I mentioned. And I know that Chase Young really scored high. So, uh, based on what you see, does he have that level of athleticism? Uh, you know, again, I, I'm like you. I didn't think his lateral movement was as anywhere near as strong as those other guys. Yeah, no. So, I honestly, you just highlighted one of the most frustrating aspects of being an Ohio State fan the last four years for a lot of people. He was the five-star who followed Chase Young. You know, you had both Bosa brothers. And so who was next in line? It was Zach Harrison. And, you know, he had three defensive coordinators. Uh, He always had Larry Johnson, but um, changing schemes, changing responsibilities for the defensive ends, I think affected that. And hit like when you watch uh, the Bosa's play, when you watch Chase Young play, when you watch – I'm going to use TJ Watt again because those are just like guys who have shown their elite pass rushers when they're healthy and ready to go. It's hands, it's explosiveness, it's getting into the body, and it's turning those hips. And that's where he's going to run like a 4'6", 4'7", which for his size is going to be insane. He's going to jump incredibly well. But the translation to the field isn't what I – it's just not – it hasn't been there in his four years at Ohio State to – the Buckeye faithful's frustration. And I think that's, I think you're right on with it. Like there were games where his length caused problems. He'd get a sack, uh, but he just never had that, that gear to turn on when he really needed to rush the passer. To me, if he was playing in the defensive backfield, they would say he has tight hips. Yeah. yeah that's, I what that's, I, that's what I see on film. Yeah. Okay, looking at the secondary, the Steelers have question marks at safety. We only have two under contract right now. Uh, and we're looking at some probably some cornerbacks. Does anyone stand out? I, I know there's uh, Cameron Brown, Ronnie Hickman uh, are out there. Do, does anyone stand out as a guy who could be, you know, a mid-round guy that ends up a really good player in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. Um... I think Cam Brown's a guy who with testing this week can really help his draft stock because corner's just such a traits position and he's had an unfortunate go of it with just like dumb injuries. Like last year he hurt his finger and was unable to play. And it was just one of those like little freak injuries. It wasn't like he could have done anything to control that. Um, I think Brown is a guy who could probably find himself as a depth piece on a lot of teams. He won't probably project to be an NFL starter, but We've seen time and time again that that doesn't always matter. Like, you get to the NFL, you get a fresh start. Um, and I think that could be something that he needs. Uh, for Ronnie Hickman, I think personality-wise, I think he is very, very in line with what Steelers fans would want from a safety. Uh, I think he played uh, – Ohio State plays a four-two-five. He was the middle safety. Um, he played strong safety the previous year. So, he's done both. Um He doesn't have that sideline to sideline stuff. Um, He doesn't have that same, um, you know, short area quickness of like a a Mika Fitzpatrick, but he does play incredibly consistent football. He's never out of position. And I think that's his biggest strength is just being a good sound tackler, being in his coverage spot, not getting beat over top. Uh, So I think, you know, if you guys need a value pick at safety, uh, I think fourth, fifth, sixth round, if Ronnie Hickman's there, he's definitely not going to disrupt a position room. Uh, he's going to fit in very well anywhere he goes. And I think 
that's a strength in itself. So uh, I think Ronnie Hickman, he's uh, one of – he was probably one of the favorite Ohio State players of the last few years just because of the way he carried himself. And I think once you're getting to those later picks, I, for me, like, that means a lot. So, you know, consistency, what he brings to the table, uh, not the most athletic guy, not the fastest guy, but, I, you know, safety in the NFL, it's mostly about positioning. and I think he could provide that. All right, man. Well, we're gonna we're gonna head, we're heading into our uh, break here, so we're gonna let you go. But before we do that, if you can let anyone know where they can find your uh, stuff on Ohio State, where they can find any of the things you write or your podcasts, uh, just give it a shout out here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for that. Uh, I write for Land Grant Holy Land. That's LandGrantHolyLand.com. Um, uh, articles. I do columns, film stuff. Uh, right now, some draft stuff. So. That's why I'm here. Uh, I like to do that stuff. I like the NFL draft. Um, and then, yeah, our podcast, mine and my co-host's is, podcast is Buck Off. Uh, it's a little aggressive, but it's you can follow that on Twitter <laughs> at Buck Off Pod. But, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, we, same as you guys. We just go on. We have some fun. We talk about Ohio State football. I know, there, I know there's a secret amount of crossover Steelers to Ohio State. I know there's mm-hmm. – a lot of Ohio fans who don't like the Browns or the Bengals and they love Ohio <laughs> state. So if you're one of those guys, make sure you check us out over on another SB nation site. And yeah, I really do appreciate you guys having me. It's always fun. Uh, and wish you guys the best. And I will see you guys. Uh, if you guys need anything else from an Ohio state guy. All right, man. Thank you very much. Thanks. Chris. Uh, we're going to go to our breakdown. We will be back Shannon and I to talk uh from the Steelers' perspective about this draft after this break. All right, Chris. See you thanks, guys. Man. See yeah, you. no problem. See you guys. Thanks, man. All right. And we're back. Uh, Shannon, out of all the out of all the uh, Ohio State prospects, is there one that stands out to you that you would just, like, be incredibly excited to get as a Pittsburgh Steeler? <clears throat> well, obviously, um, Johnson. Yeah. Uh, just because, Johnson. to me, uh, you know, they don't need Shroud. Uh, and the wide receiver, uh, Smith, I don't know how you say his last name. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. In Jigba. Smith and Jigba. Uh, I mean, he. I think he's a uh, can be a good little player. All those Ohio State receivers are good, usually. I mean, if you they got a great track record, but yep. for the Steelers' needs, Paris Johnson would be a guy that you could draft and plug in there, and hopefully, you know, for the next decade, he'll hold things down. If you can, you know, if he if he works out, you can afford him because he is a classy. I've read different things that a lot of publications consider him the number one left tackle prospect, and he's always in the top three on everybody's list. So. Uh, if he would somehow fall to 17, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, – I before the show started, I was comparing it to when uh, – I was talking to, to Chris, and I was comparing it to when, like, Marquise Pouncey fell. Like, when we clearly yeah, needed yeah. the center. We had this huge need at center, and we're just sitting there watching Marquise Pouncey fall all the way down to the Steelers. And then we desperately need a guard, and we watched David DeCastro fall all the way down to the Steelers. If this year, Paris Johnson <laughs> fell all the way, it would be it'd be incredible. 
And the thing with Paris Johnson is uh, he's from his own scheme. Yeah. Very similar blocking, a very similar job as what he would do here under Pat Meyer and Matt Canada's offense. He has the traits for it. He has the skill at it. I, I'm a Michigan fan. You, you watch that Michigan game. The one player who really was kicking Michigan's butt all game was Paris Johnson. Yeah. Paris Johnson was just a beast in that game, and it didn't matter. The rest of the team uh, didn't didn't back it up, but he, he is that guy. I would love to see him step on and be a stealer. It, like just watching his film, watching his stuff, he would fit this team perfectly. Yeah. And man, that would be a massive upgrade. Oh, that gosh. would be a massive upgrade on that line. Well, you could have whoever you know uh, loses out for the right tackle uh, could be a great swing tackle with starting experience. So, yep. yeah, that would just be a dream scenario. Uh, Jones is massive. <clears throat> I mean, I seen him at the senior bowl, and he only played like the first practice, and then I can't remember what he got hurt or something, and he had to go home. But he was just his punch. He would just knock guys off balance just with his initial punch. I mean, but the guy's like 6'8 and 360 some pounds. He might be bigger than that. So to me, he looks like a right tackle. I guess I'm just not used to seeing guys that size play left tackle because usually they can't slide good enough. Yeah. Uh, and in the NFL, you have to be able to pick up those counters. And, you know, Alex Highsmith hit him with one of them spin moves. But the thing is, he's got that seven-foot-something wingspan trying to get around him. I remember when um, Alex Munoz, yeah. and you, we've, you know, I loved Greg Lloyd. But every time the Steelers would play the Bengals, I'm like, do not pass rush Greg Lloyd. Let him, you know, unless he's going to stunt or do something, because every time he's just running into a brick wall, he never got past Munoz. I don't mm-hmm. think he ever got a sack against the dude. Yep. You know, so they're trying to run stunts and stuff to get him away from Munoz because he was just that good. Yep. And um, so that's Jones has that incredible size and that, that wingspan, that reach. Um, but I just think he could be a dominant right tackle. And you might get him in the second round. So, you know, there's two options there. Johnson first, maybe Jones in the second. So I'm really paying a close attention to the Ohio State offensive lineman. Yeah, I'm going to add in here that uh, while he does look more like a right tackle, uh, so does Dan Moore Jr. And, yeah, and he's been our yeah. left tackle for two years. <laughs> uh, Joe's is definitely a guy you could draft. And, and I mean, his length is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at an article. He, he is in the 100th percentile for, yeah. for length. That's how big that dude is. Uh, we just saw Philadelphia yep. take a young, absolutely mammoth human being, put him out there, and it works. That That's Pat Meyer's job. That's his thing. He likes length over that mobility. That's one of the reasons they brought him in. A guy like a Dewan Jones really fits what the Steelers do. He could be a value pick, a big-time value pick. Uh, I, I wanted to go one more question about Paris Johnson and this offensive line. And that is, Shannon, if you saw Paris Johnson falling past, like, the 10th pick, he falls to, like, 11th, 12th, that range. Uh, If you're the Steelers, 
He's obviously a huge kind of almost perfect fit. Would you trade up from 17, like four or five picks to get a Paris Johnson? Well, based on what Khan said at the combine, everything's on the table. Yeah. So they would have to consider it, uh, especially if, you know, all the scouting and the, the interview process and all the behind the scenes, you know, uh, information gathering. If everything looks as good as it does, you know, at first glance, you know, what would you have to give up? I've seen some people suggest the stars could do the 17 and the 49th pick and move up near the top 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd really rather not. I'd rather accumulate more picks as we've talked about, because there's, there's holes there. But again, the, to have the opportunity to get a, uh, franchise left tackle, which Johnson potentially could be, yeah, that he, might be worth that might be worth pulling the trigger. Honestly, there are a few, there are very few left tackles that look more like you draft this guy, he's definitely your left tackle. Yeah, he's right? a, I think a there's other starter, guys in this yeah, class yeah. that are gonna go higher than him that are like their upsides higher, and they could be that like Trent Brown kind of guy, but they've also <laughs> there's also some mischance there. Paris Johnson to me just looks like a safe bet. Like that guy, you just plug him in and at day one, you've upgraded your offensive line and you're going to have a really solid play from your left tackle for as long as you can keep him. And one uh, thing is different about him is where he played at Ohio state. He's already played against a lot of the guys who'll go up against in the NFL yep. during his tenure. So you know how he can handle some guys are coming from a smaller conference, not a power five conference. You know, there's going to be some adjustment, growing pains, not for this guy. Yeah, he's already seen it. Yeah, yeah. He's already seen it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, He is one of those few guys I would. If I'm looking at guys I would trade up for, uh, obviously the Jalen Carter news has changed his draft stock drastically. Uh, If he had a a clean record and no red flags or any problems with him, uh, he would be one of the guys I would consider trading up for. And Paris Johnson, he, he's one of them. I like that's one I would really think about because man, you take the Steelers offense. Dan Moore gave up what, like 10 sacks, seven sacks, something like that. Last uh, I think it was eight. I think it's what eight. I mean. yeah. Yeah. That's twice as many as yeah. second. Like, like like Kevin Dotson was second with four. Yeah. If you turn that left tackle from the clear weak link of the line especially in pass protection, to a major strength. And we saw how they played at the end last year. They were coming good, and Dan Moore really was the weak link there. The other four guys were playing well together. Man, this team, this offense behind that line, you have Kenny Pickett having a top-notch line. Just that's worth it to me. That that would be yeah. one of the few players I would trade up for. Uh, I don't think the Steelers will, but if they did, that would be that would be the guy. Around if you could get up to if you could get him at twelfth, oh my goodness, and yeah. and and trade up that 49th pick. You, you you hate giving up a pick that good, but that's a great pick to do it. Oh, yeah. uh, any anyone else from this team, other positions in offensive line that you really look at and say, man, they would really fit being a Steeler. Like I said, I <clears throat> I don't follow the Ohio State, uh, so I, I'd watch a few games. Obviously, the Michigan game and. And the you know those big matchups, but um, you know I was reading today when I found out we was going to have be talking Ohio State. 
<clears throat> I started reading about uh, Brown because this is a really deep class at corner. Yeah. And, you know, this he's a guy that, uh, and I think that uh, our guest mentioned it, and if he runs in you know, the times really well, he could move up a round or two mm-hmm. because, you know, he's, he had some good numbers uh, two years ago, but he's, his uh, scores, coverage scores wasn't as good this past year. Uh, but I don't know if he was dealing with injury. See, again, I haven't done a deep dive into him, but yeah. at one time he was considered, you know, a top three round somewhere in the first three rounds. Uh, after his junior year. So that would be a guy that I would consider taking a closer look at, depending on how things look this weekend. Yeah, I like him as well. He really, to me, looks like the kind of guy, like a Cameron Sutton, who the Steelers can pick up, play him in dime early on while he grows into the NFL. Uh, He is a, if you want to compare him to Cameron Sutton coming (laughs) out of college, uh, Brown is a better tackler. That is the number one difference between them. Uh, but I think the rest of the game is very similar. He's a zone-heavy guy. He he could really be that guy. I don't know where the Steelers fall on Trey Norwood right now and guys like James Pierre. Uh, but if the Steelers decide they want to update like the depth there, like, for example, if they sign Cameron Sutton and they think, hey, this guy's our number one corner. We're going to roll with him. We don't need to take a cornerback highly. A guy like a Cameron Brown, could be a guy who comes in on the outside as a nickel, or he could be just a dime back early on and, and move into those roles mm-hmm. in future seasons. That's the kind of player I see him being. Uh, I don't know if you if you looked at this guy. This is a player that stood out to me in the Michigan game, uh, and so I've watched a bit of him because uh, that's really my main exposure with Ohio State. But Teron Vincent, defensive tackle, looks to be a late-round guy. Uh, to me, he's a he's a classic Steelers late round pick, mm. right? The the Isaiah Bugs of the world I, kind of picks, right? He's kind of that guy, very stout, good athlete, uh, but he's he's not he doesn't move. He doesn't he's not getting moved around, but he's also not getting a whole bunch of push. He's a good you know depth defensive tackle, and I think he's got mm-hmm. some upside. He's he's a little more athletic than a lot of guys. Uh, that's a guy you get him and get his technique a little better. I think he could be uh, a, a good depth piece. So he's one that stood out to me. Uh, but really, that's that's it. Like, he brought up Ronnie Hickman. I, I don't see the Steelers going for a in-the-box kind of aggressive tackle, mm-hmm. strong safety. That doesn't pair well with Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, if if Brian Flores was around. I'd say I'd say that's an option because he likes those kind of guys. Kind of plays mm-hmm. them at a, at a hybrid linebacker spot. Uh, but Hickman Hickman doesn't seem like a fit for me. I do like Jackson Smith and Jigba as a guy who could come into the slot, uh, move outside later, and be kind of that. I don't want to go Antonio Brown that kind of stuff. But if you if you ignore Hines Ward's blocking, right, you take his. His sense of of his intelligence on the field, his sense of spacing, uh, Smith and Jigba shows that, right? That kind of incredible <clears throat> sense of just finding the soft spot in the defense and being there. Uh, like like I said, win the route, get open, catch the ball. That's a lot of people underestimate how important that just is in football at the wide receiver position when they go for all these other things. Uh, I, I 
That, those are my picks. Do you, do you see the Steelers? Do you think the Steelers could go there? Like, say, if Jackson smelled to the second round, could you see them going with a really, really high-end slot receiver there? I just remember that one game he had, <clears throat> record-breaking game, and I can't remember who it was against. Uh, you know, he, that was year four last. You know, last year he didn't get to play much because of that hamstring injury. But that one game, I can't remember who it was against. He He had, like, 200-some yards, and uh, I can't remember how many receptions. He was uncoverable. And I thought for sure he would come out that year, and he went back. And, you know, and then, you know that happens sometimes. They go back, yep. you know, and, uh, of course, last year was a, a really strong wide receiver class. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess that's why he decided to go back. But um, I hope that the Steelers don't uh, go – for a receiver till maybe the third or fourth round. I just think that they there's other areas of need. Uh, the defense has the, the trench is both sides, but the defense has to be upgraded. And I, and as I said, I'm wanting to see defensive lineman. I'm wanting to see an inside linebacker and, and hopefully a corner. So those are three areas I'm really focusing on and receivers more of a, you know, you always want you always want that other guy. I don't know who the number three is going to be. So if you had a chance for somebody falling, like Pickens fell, but I, I wouldn't want to yeah. go in the second round for him myself. All right, we got a super chat here. I want to get in here from Blake Literal. Uh, he says Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, Jones would be Dewan Jones, Luke Whipler, uh, Teron Vincent. Boom. So he's got four guys there. Uh, and honestly, honestly, if you look at kind of where they're projected and you said, you know, JSN goes like 31st, Jones in the second, Whipler in the third, and then Teron Johnson late, that's a lot of talent right there uh, yeah. that you could get from an Ohio State team that would really fit. I think it would fit the Steelers. There are some guys here that really do uh, fit the Steelers. Shannon, to close out, talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes, what are the chances we see an Ohio State Buckeye drafted this year? Would you say fair, good, great, low? Um, I'll say fair. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a little bit of a pipeline there, you know, with just where Cam Hayward, you know, and his mm-hmm. connections. And um, and I'm sure he'll, he'll you know, he'd be put, rooting for it. You know, he'd like to have him some more Ohio State guys there to, you know, to help him, support him against the Michigan boys. Uh, of course, Bush is leaving, so maybe that'll be one they don't have to worry about. But, um, yeah, like I said, I, I can see one of them tackles, whether it's Johnson or Jones, uh, in the right situation. If they was to fall, uh, I think the stores would definitely take them. Yeah, I think they just – it's amazing to me because the Steelers are running an outside zone – they're running very similar to what the offense, their offensive line does very similar to what Ohio State's offensive line does. Yeah. Pat Meyer loves long, strong guys. Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones, both big, long guys. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a really good fit. It is a really good fit, but obviously they can't control the draft. They can't control you know where other people took it. If someone takes uh, Paris Johnson ninth, yeah, oh, yeah. this is irrelevant. You know, that's none of it matters. 
that's always the option. So if things fall right, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I, I think the offensive linemen are the most likely uh, players to end up Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just such a good fit this year. Oh, yeah. All right, Shannon. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We're going to get out of here on time today. Yep. Uh, if you want to let everyone know what you got going on, what's coming up for you? Well, I had a, a combine article. It was funny. Uh, Tony did an article about it. He didn't see what all the excitement was about the combine. And then mine, which I wrote a couple of days ago, come out about how excited I get about the combine. So it was kind of your point, counterpoint articles today. I thought that <laughs> was interesting. Um, I have another one that is waiting to, to post talking about what was the problems with the Steelers passing offense last year. Uh, I looked at four different points and, you know, which you know, tried to put it in a certain order uh, of, of, you know, who was to blame and what can the Steelers do to fix it. And three of the things I think are already in the process of fixing themselves. And then one, you know, the Steelers are gambling on. And uh, so uh, that should be posted here in the next few days. But uh, uh, that's that's it at the moment. I, I can't imagine what that fourth one could be. Hmm. You All might right. guess it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I had an article come out today uh, about Kevin Dotson saying the Steelers shouldn't give up on him yet. Uh, go check that out. Give some positive thoughts for Kevin Dotson's future. But one of the reasons I, I'm not big on getting the Steelers grabbed in a guard this year I think they're set there. I think tackle, if you're going offensive line, is the way to go. Uh, go check out that article. See if you agree with me. And tomorrow, Dave Schofield and I have on a Vertex coming out, and I just I just blanked on who it's going to be. It's Zach Gentry. That's who it is. It's a, a Vertex on Zach Gentry, the value he brings to the Steelers. Uh, so it's that's actually going to be kind of informative if you – uh, watched last season and you saw the Steelers trade away Chase Claypool and then go heavy on tight ends, there's some hidden value with Zach Gentry uh, that I kind of explore and and talk about, the, you know, also also the weaknesses of him and whether the Steelers, you know, what kind of value does he give the Steelers if they bring him back? Uh, so you can find that tomorrow. Uh, for Shannon and I, uh, thanks for listening. I want to thank our uh, guest, Chris Renee, Rennie, sorry, Chris Rennie for coming on. Uh, it was a great guest, great time talking Ohio State, very informative show for us. Uh, and again, thank you all for listening. Thanks to the people in the live chat. We have fun with you all the time. Uh, everyone on the, on the listening on audio, thank you as well. Uh, make sure you're tuning in to the rest of the Steel Curtain Network, all of our podcasts. As always, have a great week, and let's go Steelers. Yeah.